those kids going to see that any the dead body by that river if they don't go out? Yeah. If they don't go out whacking anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need to have kids out in the brambles, <laughs> getting cut, yeah. get up, cut up to shit. Yeah, we need a we need an American girl doll that's seen a corpse. <laughs> an American girl doll with an older brother named Ace who's got a switchblade. <laughs> we have an American girl doll written by Stephen King. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> now with that. Uh, nightmarish claptrap at an end. Let's um, let's uh, make this motherfracking show. Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. And that weirdo with me when he's not furiously trying to dig himself out of a coma infused into his mind thanks to the tapping of the teacup by Catherine Keener is Gavin. Uh... Is that John Malkovich being him? No, 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 no. That's, um... No. That's, um... That's the dude in, um... Get Out. Oh. Oh, okay. I have yet to see that one. <laughs> well, we, we should, because we'll have to cover it on the show. Uh, well, it, it's not quite in the purview of this show, because, um... <laughs> the monster in that movie is white supremacy. So, uh... <laughs> We did that last time. Yeah, and at least you know, it's I know that I know <laughs> that anybody that's like keeping score probably is mad at us for how we stretch the bounds of what is the definition of definition of a monster as is. But um <laughs> even 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 with our loose butthole definition of what is and is not uh, a monster, there there be no monsters in that movie. It is um it is huh. it is just it's yeah. It's just uh, yeah. Structural racism is the enemy in that movie. Uh, well then, this weirdo with me, new member of the Pentaverit Five, is Hess. I haven't seen. I haven't, you no. haven't seen the Pentaverit. No. And is is it is it true that it is technically part of the I married an axe murderer verse? That it's, it's, it's somehow yeah. the extended universe <laughs> of I married an axe murderer. Which I still is, have not yeah. seen probably since the year it came out in the Warner Theater in like 1995 or whatever that was. Well, the thing about So I Married an Axe Murderer was that it wasn't good when it came out and then it didn't age well. <laughs> Wait, you mean <laughs> you mean his, you mean Michael Myers' constant reliance on um, like homophobic and, and ethnic stereotype didn't get better <laughs> since 1993? <laughs> not not in so I married actually he's gotten better and it's uh fully focused on body humor now uh yeah people are f which is I don't know people are funny because they have noses worse. and assholes now I think yes yes now it's funny because sex words and farts yeah he's finally and crawled up out of the basement stairs to the level of farts and and snot well, the the shitty part is, is that I was laughing my ass off mm. at it. Because <laughs> he's, if anybody's good at it, it's him. I I think Michael Myers is funny. I think anybody, I think people that would try to sit there and try to tell you that he's not funny, have um, a sad little soul that I wouldn't want to, <laughs> that I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to play any Super Mario three yeah. with. So you know. 
He is funny. The it's just that that X murder movie. I, I for all the for as much as people like it now, <laughs> I assumed that I didn't enjoy it as much then as I would now. But um, I don't know when I'm going to test that. I have no idea. I now I now <laughs> feel demotivated. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just I just hate. Um, Canadians jokes from like 1993 wow. that all involve Seattle <laughs> and like yeah, where everybody's wearing a brown suit coats and and yeah and, and dress shirts with no tie and have their yeah. denim their their denim shirts wrapped around their waist to hide their 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 um, bleeding yeah it's like look, you know what's funny kids don't give a shit <laughs> yeah just you fucking wait man. Yeah, <laughs> if you, if you thought not, kids not giving a shit was entertaining. You have a whole thing coming, um, <laughs> and we are here to you as we always are. Delighted to edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console to the tabletop and beyond on a rotating basis. Each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you. Dear readers at home, quick reminder, check the goddamn Instagram. Um, <laughs> it's what you think it is. It's at Oops All Monsters because um, nobody else had it. And yep. uh, before we get to our topic, um, I am going to drag us in, in a brief detour into the strange and unlikely corners of the English language that we like to call... Vocabulary. You can't do that on television. Um, you can't do that on Beekman's World. <laughs> yeah, I. Can you do Beekman's World? Beekman's World, in my opinion, proved one thing: that Bill Nye needed a cute assistant. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what that's what Beekman's World proved to me. Yeah, she grew up to be on Always Sunny once. Oh yeah, yeah. She's the she's the horror Roxy. I do not have that encyclopedic of a knowledge of. of uh, <laughs> it's always sunny. I like I like it's always sunny. Fine, but it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. It's on the same spectrum of like Wonder Showsen and um, it's, the, it's the one where the pup, and like Crank Yankers where my my. <laughs> Like intense empathy will not allow me to suffer through it. It's like the ins- <laughs> it's on, it's it is, uh, which is weird because it's it's in the wacky fictional zone where there are no regular yeah. humans being harmed in this episode. Yeah, you know, they're only Charlie Days were were injured during the recording of this, but still, yeah, that's true. The, yeah. it's still there's just it just lives in a zone that makes me feel, it makes me yes. feel like I'm in some kind of. Self-inflicted um, limbo that yeah. is—I can't be there for more than about an hour at a time. They—they they do this thing too, where they confront how awful they are about every other season, and like nothing—nothing's really resolved because they're okay with it. Yeah, then they're just like <laughs> shitting. Yeah, they're just shitting in a bag and smoking crack out of a light bulb. It's—it it's, yeah. still doesn't get. I mean, I appreciate that that is what the show is. If it wasn't, if the yeah. show wasn't that, it's it really funny. Be the show. No, I agree. It's another thing. Like Michael Myers is funny. It's always sunny. Is yeah. funny. Um, 
it's just it lives in a in a brain space where I can't be for that long. I'm like I've I have lived in and around trashy East Coast cities a lot of my life. <laughs> And the people yeah, just really yeah. are the pe- the people really just are like that, and they just stand around arguing over like Killian's red ale, like yeah. in real life, like that, and it looks like that. It and was it's sad. There, there was like a self realization moment when Fuzz, our friend, owned the bar, and like there was a good number of us in the bar having an always sunny light conversation arguing mm-hmm. about like I, I i think it was like um the the weird assignment of like sex acts and how goofy the names can be my new theory is that we had to start naming sex acts like the cleveland steamer because we were no longer naming like pool hustlers cool things so those yeah. those those combination <laughs> of like city name and verb had to go on to something else so we had to yeah. start like you know there it used to be that your uncle who used to make a lot of money on Friday nights was like the 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 donkey punch, but you know, then that that <laughs> that had to become a dirty joke about something non consensual because he retired. Yeah. <laughs> when they put him on oxygen, the name was free and they put it into a hopper and that's where it went. The intestinal tract resembles a trumpet. Today's vocabulary word is gablock. G A B L O C K. Gablock. I gotta know. <laughs> I got. I, I got. I yo, Joey Pack of Donuts. Are you? Are what's so funny about me? You think I'm some kind of gablock? Come on, a gablock. Gavin, do you have any idea what? What would your guess be for what? What a gablock is? A gablock. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a is it a block of sorts? It is not a block. Um, okay. These are never going to be. I'm never going to give you one of these that's like guessable in that way. Don't worry. Um, there, there. You're never going to be able to deduce it from to deduce it from parts. Um, okay. Gablock is a the is a spur that you would attach to the heel of a fighting cock, aka rooster. For those of oh. us who don't remember the 21st and 19th century, that um, a fighting cock would be when you would fight two roosters. Um, while some little girls would cry in the corner over the, the terrific barbarianism of the act. And um, to make it brutal <laughs> enough, they would sometimes attach a metal spur to one of the feet of the cocks so that they could um, eviscerate the other cock um, with, uh, with uh, an efficiency that yeah. um, allowed the bedding to move at a more efficacious rate. So a gablock yeah. is a, a cockspur in a um, yeah a cockspur okay yeah in, in, in a but um, <laughs> gamecock uh, not um, grow grow by grow a hole four inches with these magic pills um, one weird trick cock that yeah I knew that they had spurs I didn't know it was called a gablock that's well the more I know I think I picked that one <laughs> because it reminded me of um, one of my favorite. Uh, fighting cock songs, the Gallo <laughs> del Cielo, the Gallo del Cielo by Tom Russell, one of my family's uh, favorite <laughs> singer songwriters. That is about a, a, a mighty cock that yeah. um, stood up to um, bout after bout of vicious cock attacks. That's weird. Um, my neighbors have chickens, and they have wandered into the yard, and uh, mostly it's the roosters. 
and a rooster had one of their roosters had recently killed another rooster, like a baby rooster, because yeah. I think that's what they do. <laughs> and viciously <laughs> tore the shit out of it. And Listen like, to too many Lane Staley songs. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good and joke out there for my non-millennials. That was really funny. It's a, <laughs> about a band. It's about M. a they're band popular M. around the M. So I Married an Axe Murderer. on music era. television. Died of heroines. <laughs> anyway. Um, Snuff that rooster. Man, that guy could say some good um, uh, sideburns. Some really good sideburns on him. There's, yeah. Lane Staley was a very odd looking guy because he, he, he always looked like somebody just cleaned him up last week from a gutter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. Because he'd, he'd have, like, an okay haircut that was half purple and half blonde. Yeah. And, he, you know, he looked like he was... He looked like he could have starred in The Crow if his hair had yeah. been black. You know, like, you slapped him around. Underneath all there were some, probably some, some really good abs from all the heroin, you know. Yeah. People think that you need to sit down and do, a lot, like, 100 crunches a day to, to get... To get those abs, you know, no, you, you just, just need to... Burn the You just need a fucking wild-ass junk habit. Yeah. So now that we've done that, we know about Gablock. Gavin, can you pull us into the section of the show that we sometimes refer to refer to as the imagine, if you will. Imagine, if you will, that you are Keith David. No, don't start as Keith David. Um, <laughs> I want to start as Keith David. Yeah, yeah. It really depends um, on the movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, look at here. Looks like somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. You are a Hollywood horse expert and that you have your <laughs> own ranch of Hollywood horses. <laughs> oh, that certainly <laughs> narrows it down. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. I'm, we couldn't really do the disclaimer. I'm narrow. I'm. I feel sufficiently narrowed. Go on. I want to hear more. Um, and you are on your ranch with your father whenever, um, in the middle of trying to break a particular, uh, particularly um, stubborn horse, a small, unidentifiable objects are Ooh. flinging fastly into the ground and windows are breaking and not necessarily at a pace that seems dangerous uh-huh. but at a pace that arises suspicion <laughs> and yeah. your he hates father, these cans yeah. yeah your father mid sentence slumps over on his horse stops talking and seems injured and lo and behold a quarter has gone through his eye and wedged into his brain. Oh, stuck, no. Is stuck at the morgue. You're um, more depressed about uh, the loss of your father than con- concerned about uh, speedy falling metal objects. Yeah. So you go on with your life as normal. I could go ahead and stop you there because... Yeah. This was a rare case where we had a tiny um, back and forth consulting about what topic today was going to be. We broke our golden rule. So, because Gavin, obviously, um, obviously this is uh, Michael Bay's Transformers. No, obviously this is, <laughs> this is 
Nope. Um, yeah. Directed and written by Jordan Peele. What if I told you that today you'll leave here different? Pops. Pops! I'm talking to you. Bro, what'd you see? Something above the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? Yeah. For those of us that are not familiar. So um, this is going to be one where I go out of my way to say, you really should stop watching. You should really stop listening to us if you have not seen Nope. Because yeah. Yeah. if I spoil Shockwaves to you all, I do not feel. Yeah, I that's really don't, fine. I really don't feel bad. That's I, don't, fine. I, I could even spoil Dead Snow. <laughs> Hint, yes. it's Nazi zombies. Yeah. Um, ha, but nope, one is uh, is a, a really good movie, and two, the kind of M Night Shyamalan style twist of what is the deal with nope is like yeah. a lot of what the movie is, you yes. know, in, in a in a vein similar to M Night Shyamalan. So, um, we the, the, talk talking about this movie and the monster is going to completely demolish the main um, structural element of the plot in the middle. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much as it must, uh, as much as it pains me to tell you, stop listening to this show right now and yes. go watch Nope because it is very good. It's the best movie I've seen in about a year. Yeah. It's very good. It's very fun. Everybody in it rules, and yeah. it is. It's got. It's got some of our favorite people, but we'll get into that. So that's that's your spoiler warning. Warning. Run. Don't walk. Um, out to the blockbuster. Pay. Uh, you know, four ninety two for one of those uh, new releases. Um, and huff that VHS tape as hard as you can. Get that nope up your nose. Yeah. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, now that, um, <laughs> yeah, now now that you've stopped listening, I can say, yeah, um, as somebody who appreciates finely crafted story in an age of suck, like <laughs> uh-huh. like a lot of shit sucks, and what doesn't suck is canceled early or like not or just not even written. So this movie is. So well-written, acted, shot, and um, presented that um, despite being like a suspense kind of... Like, I don't like suspense, jump-scare crap. It's it's usually crap to me. And this, which which is so well-written, isn't that, even though it's in that category. And, like, the, the, the story of it... First of all, there's two stories... There's two horror stories in this story, one with uh, the main thing, whatever is in the sky, and another one that's a flashback about a chimp attack. And <laughs> Yeah, for a second I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. The chimp blimp the, horror aspect. The, ho- the, and t- like, the, terrible, <laughs> uh, the terrible chimp slaughter, yeah. Yeah, the way that that was interwoven into the story to like... Um, semi explains some things. It explains some character points, but it doesn't really explain 
Um, the only thing really that it explains, I think, is misinterpreting looking at a predator. But like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's um, let's pump yeah, the brake yeah, for a yeah. second because if you—it's so well crafted that I have to go off into a tangent. Nairn needs to rein me back. Uh huh. So, <laughs> so I think the the audience, our listening audience, will have learned by now that um, if you ha- if you were to visually imagine Gavin's horse and cart, that the, yeah. the cart is always out front for some reason, and the, the, yes. the horse is very confused. So, what is nope? Nope is. A theatrically released film that came out um, just what last year, end of last year, 2022, directed by and written by Jordan Peele, um, stars Daniel Kaluuya, and I'm saying his name wrong, I'm sure, Kiki Palmer, um, Brandon Perea, um, the guy that plays, what the fuck was the guy that plays Gwen's name? Uh, what's the guy that plays Glenn's name from Walking Dead? Uh, what's what the fuck is that guy? Oh, Stephen uh, Yoon. Stephen Yoon, yeah, who's fucking phenomenal. He he's amazing, and it stars um, Daniel Kaluuya, who I'm sure I'm saying um, incorrectly as O.J. Haywood, um, and they are a historical Hollywood family of horse ranchers. And if that's confusing, essentially. There are, in reality, there are all of these dozens, if not hundreds, of ancillary businesses that are on the edge, literally, of Hollywood that um, uh, function by renting, selling, providing their services to Hollywood. And horses, uh, for a lot of the fucking 20th century, were really fucking crucial all the time. If you yeah. if you're a Gen Zer and you're trying to imagine how many horses were required for movies in the 20th century, take that number and multiply it by 10 because it's way more than you fucking think. Yeah. Because your grandparents were way more into westerns than uh, you can imagine because it was the only fucking thing anybody made for like 35 years. Um, yeah. Out the goddamn wazoo. You think you're tired of like uh, Marvel movies? Well, all these things are cyclical, and everybody else said the same thing about westerns. And where are we now? Uh, <laughs> Like Deadwood barely even got a movie. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he they star as this historical black family outside of the greater Los Angeles area where you'd have to drive up and they have this big ranch and some weird shit happens where some shit falls out of the sky. And yeah. was it a quarter? I thought it was a nickel. But I it mean, it was definitely a, a coin. Nickel. Yeah, it was I think a coin. It's, I think, yeah, some silver metal coin falls out of the sky in addition to a bunch of other detritus that is just kind of like willy nilly, you know, like weird PB, you know, weird CNN story um, falls out of the sky out of nowhere along with this odd wind phenomenon. And you're like, what the fuck was that? It's fucking yeah. crazy. And the father, played by. Um, Keith David is, uh, is like double dead. You're thinking, we got us another crazy nigga here with a gun. Well, let me tell you something. Human life means very little to me at this point in time. You see, I thrive on misery. In the jungle, misery's all you got. But things are different back here in the world. Also, they seem. Nobody wants to talk about pain and suffering. Everybody wants everything to be nice and civil. Well, okay then. Let's be nice. Let's be civil. And let's drop those guns before I pull this trigger and change the way you feel about me. And now, um, OJ, the main character, his, who is the kind of laconic, non-charismatic 
uh, yeah. now sudden head of the ranch is forced to start wrangling the business and the horses way out in um, buttfuck California where they live, which is just like this. And this is very important for the movie. A big kind of dusty, scrubby bowl of land that's that's massive and yeah. picturesque. It looks kind of like an Ansel Adams uh, photo yeah. you know, that you'd see in a dentist's office. And that it's it's butted up on one side by like a big mountain and like a butte and they're just kind of in this big bowl that always have, kind of has this collection of clouds hovering over it on one side. But it's go- it's gorgeous. It looks like a painting of horses rather than yeah. just a place where horses be. And you're left going like, what the holy shit is this movie about? And <laughs> then it um it proceeds. What would you say? So, um. Uh, you get the impression that OJ is in hard times, right? Uh, yes. That the, the family business is not going well, and he goes to sell a horse to Ricky Jupe Park, who is the character played by Stephen Yoon, who you would all know as Glenn from The Walking Dead. Right here, you are going to witness an absolute spectacle. So what happens next? You ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Here we go. And we we love it. We I don't know about you, Gavin, but I love a Glenn in the bunker here. I'm a I'm a big Glenn head in um, The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so I'm a, I love Stephen Yoon, and he becomes central to the movie in a couple of odd ways. Yeah, Stephen Yen's awesome. He's got his own show on Netflix too, called Beef. I've I keep not clicking on that, and I need to because it looks cool. It looks it's cool. very interesting. Also, now that I just saw he's in it, um, like a couple of days ago, I was like, oh, I might actually watch this. Yeah, and it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, Stephen Yen has like this um, uh, cowboy ranch attraction, and it looks like it l- looks like a bunch of um, just Hollywood uh, memorabilia stuff that you would find north of Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> like yeah, and he's like a he's like a, a he's like a childhood star who was on a sit on a on a multi camera sitcom in the eighties, kind of yeah. like a Mister Belvedere, you know, kind of Silver Spoons kind of deal that we get has a tragic backstory, but is not immediately explained. And you're like, okay, I guess we'll go back to that later. Yeah. OJ sells a horse um, kind of sadly to Steven because they need the money. And he gets harassed by what you think are some terrifying aliens where he actually says the name of the movie. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like in one of the, the secondary barns and some weird fucking like, this is why we. This is why this move. This is all spoilers because this was like scary as shit to me when it actually happened. Yeah, it was this like, was this it was terrifying the, the crap out of me. It was one of the biggest like like save the cat moments where I was like, I can't believe you just fucking did that to me because it totally worked. Because these weird yeah. little people step out and it's directed so tensely, like so Hitchcockian, yeah. that I was like shitting myself. Like, this is seriously what you're doing with this movie? Yeah. And then he yells at him, and there it turns out that they're like 11 year old kids from Steven Yun's place who yeah. are getting who are getting revenge for some weird back and forth shenanigans between the two ranches that like, yeah. later be- later becomes apparent. But the way yeah. that it's directed, it's it's a real it's really a false scare that plays yeah. really. Um, Genuinely, as a as a full on scare, 
Yeah, and it scared. Me. I I got that too. I I I saw that it's it showed a little alien gray alien head, like uh-huh. on top of like a furry body, like kind of at the end of the hallway, and it's yeah. staring at him real weird. And it's too far away to notice that. Of course, it's a guy in a costume. But yeah, like, of course, it's a Spencer's gifts. Mask. And and but the like, suspense in the buildup of the movie makes you think. Like it doesn't scare you. It makes you think. Wait, wait a minute. This is too corny to be the movie. Wait a minute. And then before you can finish that thought, another kid jumps up and goes ah, <laughs> and scares the crap out of you. <laughs> I don't know. I was really scared in that scene until <laughs> until until exactly when Jordan Peele meant to let the air out of the balloon. I was I was afraid, and I am not <laughs> I am not afraid in a lot of movies very often. I'm just gonna put it that way. Yeah, I I am I am not dropping my popcorn. And and the name of the movie whenever he saw the <laughs> whenever he saw the alien it was <laughs> comically presented. And he went, nope. Yeah, the, nope. Yep. The, yeah. No, the, the delivery was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. It was fucking amazing because it really, it really gave you what the movie was advertising, which was like the sh- the shake of the head, but this just like this the slow back away. Like, nope. Like nope. whatever. Like whatever yeah. this is. You know, as somebody who talks to themselves a lot. And frequently disguises it as talking to the cats. Yeah. Like, I really heard myself. You know what I mean? Like, my yeah. partner, through living with me, has taken on some of my affectations. Like, if I if I drop something in the kitchen and then knock something over and makes a big clattering, I will shout, all right, everybody. And, you know, no, like, and, yeah. and, and. Yeah. She's taken that on so that when she goes to her workplace, she started doing it. And people are like, what the fuck are you saying? Who are you talking to? I'm like, <laughs> I'm yelling at the inanimate objects. They need to get it together yeah. and stop fucking with me. That, yeah, yeah. that You don't do that because that sounds like a you problem. Yeah. And and very much I felt like in uh, OJ's uh, headspace when when he's delivered the, the, the name, the, the, the title of the movie, it was very, I was very <laughs> in it. It did not. You know, it's very hard to say the name of the movie in a movie and not just become like a dot gif of that thing. Of yeah. Like, oh, he did it. You know, with like Leo pointing at it. Yeah. Jo- Jordan Peele broke a lot of rules and did it in a way that seems legitimate and genuinely like uh, revolutionary. <laughs> I love that. Let me st- just start out. This is going to be um, a little bit of a Jordan Peele love fest because there are a lot of things that I like about the way that Jordan Peele directs movies. And one of them, it, it, one of them has to do with um, breaking rules and how he breaks them. Yeah. And, and a lot of that has to do with that his writing style is, and I've heard him say this, so this is not me um, like uh, reducing him, but this is, he has said this, that he is essentially emulating um, Ira Levine, who is uh, famously the writer of um, Rosemary's Baby and a bunch of (laughs) other incredibly um, infamous novels that later get turned... That um you know that later get turned into films like the Stepford Wives and the Boys yeah. from Brazil, Death Trap, like uh, and Ira Levine's model, the way that Ira Levin does his his suspense stories is that he comes up with a terrifying premise. You know, Rosemary's Baby is this woman actually is spoilers. 
going to give birth to Satan, right? Yeah. Or the devil, or the devil's baby that's going to be the Antichrist. Or in the Stepford Wives, spoilers, the these suburban men actually are replacing their um, suburban housewives with robot yeah. models that do exactly as they're told, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you follow one protagonist who is a very normal, rational person at the beginning of the film as they are pulled yeah. in a magnetic spiral closer and closer to the center of what ends up being a bizarre, unlikely conspiracy to hide this nightmarish truth. And then by the time they get to the center of it, it's too late. And no one will believe their their what sound like maniacal ramblings about yeah. this bizarre phenomenon that could only happen in a movie, right? Yeah. And um, both, both, like, Nope and Get Out, well, I won't spoil Get Out for you because now <laughs> you know you haven't seen it, both follow this model. It's the way that he he does it, and it is, and it allows you to break a lot of interesting rules quote-unquote, because you're following a rule book that is a, a completely different rule book than if you're making Star Wars, for instance. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and in that case, you can kind of, as long as you make your main character um, a character for whom the audience can fill their point of view inside of, yeah. whether it's the, you know, the, the odd, short-haired... Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby or um, OJ in this movie. Yeah. That you, you, as long as you're able to kind of like buy into their struggle with this bizarre situation, whatever it is, then you start to feel as insane as them. And it's very disorienting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's juxtaposed with the chimp story. So like as, as the, the flashbacks are being like kind of explained and uh, it comes like the realization is that um, Ju Jupiter Park um, was spared by the chimp, um, uh -huh. and and I didn't notice it, but I guess if you pay attention, it's because he didn't look the chimp in the eyes. But like, right? Um, he's spared by the chimp whenever I think. Don't quote me on this. Whenever OJ realizes that this cloud hasn't moved. And uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, and um, w uh, then is introduced uh, the comic relief character, uh, Angel, who was like um, this this audio visual expert from a store, who's like yeah. overqualified for his for his cashier's job. <laughs> and by the <laughs> way, that the that is a real that is that circuit. I think is it a circuit city? What is it called? That place. Yeah. Is a real is a real place in um, Burbank or yeah. maybe, maybe maybe it's north of Burbank. It's in the valley. And it's it's kind of like famous for being the biggest electronic store like around. Like, <laughs> and all and all of the and you know, for the movie they had a whole bunch of um, crazy like UFO gray alien like bullshit. Yeah. You know, like staged into the place. A lot some of that stuff is really there. It, first of all, it's it's colossally big, the store. Yeah. And um, it's kind of in the middle of the nowhere. It's right next to the Burbank Airport. 
And it really looks as weird as it is. I don't know if they shot, ex- if it, I don't know if it closed down because there was a brand that closed. It's a brand that shut down when I was actually living in LA. So they may have had that location just empty and got it for uh, on the cheap. But um, I <laughs> totally have been in there buying supplies for a shoot, <laughs> for like a yeah. video shoot. It's a, yeah. it's a very real thing. I can also see um, Angel's character existing, like a, a, totally an a overqualified like cinematography major who knows his shit that had to get a cashier's job because Hollywood, as I understand it, is a giant vat of indigestion that <laughs> uh, d- that consumes and spits out crew members like uh, like a <clears throat> me at a taco farm. <laughs> It's a, I, I don't I don't I mean Hollywood Hollywood is weird. It's like um, <laughs> it's like uh, it's like a massive egg that's constantly getting pregnant very slowly in a million ways. So yeah. like, w- how far you have penetrated into the egg <laughs> is 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 like people are constantly pushed in back out into a farther you know uh, more uh, remote edges of the egg yeah. and and it, it's just it, it, like like you know i bet the, the the metaphor for hollywood changes on what specifically you do for a movie <laughs> yeah for sure i mean like yeah. you know i i've worked at fairly mundane places in 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 post uh, in post-production where the jobs are kind of really like workaday jobs. You go into an office and you like, yeah. you know, you work on, you work on a bunch of trailers and you go home. You have like a job. You don't go on set and get yelled at by a DP for 14 hours. And yeah. Then, you know, like go, um, you know, shoot heroin with a bunch of sex workers downtown. Like you have a regular kind of like office job too. Other than the fact that you get weird, nervous, twitchy people coming into your office saying like, Sony needs this right now. Yeah. But, you know, like pe- people get that in other parts of, in other parts of the world that are not Hollywood. But, um, the, 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 I, you know, definitely these people that kind of like have a Hollywood energy, but still work at Best Buy. Yeah. There's a, bazo- there's a bazillion of them. Yeah. They're, it's a, it's a very real trope. This, um, introduction of the comic relief character and furthering into the chimp attack story, all comes together with slight glimpses of what the blimp is doing. I think there's a shot from the inside of it. Of the of of the beast? Yeah. It's an unexplained and um you know like while you're watching the movie like oh that must be the inside of the spaceship cuz it's sold constantly too as a spaceship. It's like it, it's never said but yeah, yeah. We have this object. It's unidentified. It's yeah. flying. It's zooming around. It's hiding in clouds. Um, uh, it, it appears to be in the clouds over OJ's ranch. Yeah. And and we get, uh, you know, it eats a horse by, like, sucking it and everything around <laughs> the horse up yeah. via some kind of bizarre vacuum mechanism. <laughs> and you do get kind of these shots that are, like, inside. You know, I, yeah. you know what it made me think of is... Um, the very very harrowing film, starring everybody's favorite champion DB Sweeney, um, "Fire in the Sky" from I want to say ninety ninety one. Do you, do you you know what I'm talking about, Gavin? Yes, I, I, I'm I, laughing at everybody's right. champion DB Sweeney. I don't like to see her upset. If I was you, I'd invest in blindfolds. DB Sweeney. Man, would I love to see you play hockey. Moira Kelly. Any day. The cutting edge. 
It's not like his nose was perfect. I didn't mean to just accidentally drag DB Sweeney there without even a thought. Uh, you know, look well, at that. Look at the look at the fucking face on that guy. Everybody, who, well, everybody who refers to him always says the same thing. It's like I like um, him in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody re- re- prefixes his name with Amer- America's champion, DB yeah, Sweeney. Yeah. Yes, and I have seen Fire in the Sky. I know what you're talking about too. Yeah, Fire in the Sky had a really had a, a kind of shockwave effect throughout culture in a um, mostly pre. Um, in a mostly pre X Files world, because yeah. I gotta look it up. When did Fire in the Sky come out? It was after X Files. It was just ninety, not, no ninety three. So it came oh. out the same year. Okay. So uh, Fire in the Sky was based off of um, you know the first hand report novelization. You know, novel from you know a real dude it was like, this is what happened to me. They touched my dick in the spaceship. Yeah. And DB DB Sweeney plays like a very real kind of like. Budweiser American dude who gets sucked up into a spaceship and pulled through all of these like you know phlegm phlegm glands and yeah. you know like sucked inside of these rubber membranes and you know it really gets the sense of you know it's like being pulled through the the unexpectedly biological yeah. levels yeah. of a uh, spaceship and then they take you to the probe room and they put stuff in you and they don't listen to your screams and you know yeah. they're like, they're like you're, you're screaming fake news and they don't care they still put stuff up your butt yeah. and the, and uh, there a, a lot of the quality is I felt was overlapping between what you saw from I don't know what we're calling this um, monster, but the orb, the beast, whatever the thing is. I call it the uh, blimp because it rhymes with chimp. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Great, great. Because there's there's blimp chimp action. Yeah, there's blimp chimp action in this movie. (laughs) There's similarly just some odd parallels before we give the totally give the game away that, but you do see shots of like okay this horse is getting swallowed by this machine yeah. by this it's getting pulled into this this object and you're like that's weird yeah so um they continue it's very importantly um OJ's sister shows up yeah it really changes the um the tone of the ranch as you know, the ranch having this mission yeah. to figure out what the fuck is going on. Um, what's eat, what's eaten all these horses. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> the sister is a very good counterpoint to OJ. The character's name is Emerald Haywood. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that she's kind of like another uh, kind of Los Angeles trope of the, yes. you know, s- millennial with 17 jobs, none of them pay. Yeah. You know, uh, who's, who's dressed like a fly girl and smokes weed five nights a week and is hilarious, but yeah. doesn't, doesn't really have their shit together, but yeah. can show up and be charming on demand. Yeah. Cause there, there was a contrast at the beginning of the movie where OJ as a horse expert was trying to tell people, not to fuck with the horse because it'll kick you. And nobody's listening to him because he's inverted and quiet. And Kiki Palmer had to show up and, like, since celebrities only listen to glamorous people, 
Like, yeah. he, Kiki Palmer had to show up and loudly tell everybody not to fuck with the horse. But, like always, like, everything was lost in translation. She leaves. Yeah. And he's not able to tell people, don't stand behind the damn horse, because he's still yeah. too nervous to it was, say. It was, it, it, had a, it, had a, it had an extra layer of interest to me, because it was, a, that scene played very, very real for me. Yeah. Where they're just, you know, if you take a, 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 a proper feature film, it's got hundreds hundreds of people on it and then when you're on the primary shooting location in a movie like that you might have 100 people and then not all of them are people that are like can run a department because they can't fucking answer a question because they're like um uh, they're doers not talkers yeah and some people are both and some people are just talkers yeah and and you know oj got handed the running of the ranch and the horse business and he's a doer and not a talker at all yeah and she's a talker and partly a doer yeah and so they have very little overlap there where dad was really the essential linchpin as keith david who was a doer and a talker who had learned how to do the pattern of here's our history this is a horse don't stand near it don't flashlights at it it'll kill you (laughs) it's a large it's a large object that weighs like about a ton and it does it is it is afraid of lights and loud sounds you know what i mean like um you need somebody to come in and do the patter you know that is an essential thing in um you know it's almost kind of like a military thing in a way hollywood and the military have a lot of overlap in the sense that you have discrete jobs yeah some people need to speak some people don't yeah (laughs) exactly um and but everybody has a role and when you lose a commander who takes that role and how that role now functions in that vacuum is inherently a problem when you don't have like, you know, you got a family of three people and not like a superstructure of individuals yeah. whose rank rank could just, they can just get another bar at it and uh, pretend they know what they're doing. Yeah. When she shows up, essentially, essentially he convinces her that something is really happening because she sees like, what is it? The, is it the second or third attack of the, 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 the blimp beast? Yeah. Where it like drops shit all over the house. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where it's it's kind of like almost it, it, it sucks up a a fake horse, a fake horse, the second yeah. or the third the third time that's attached to all of this like um like roping and whatever it is it, it doesn't like the fake horse. It spits it back out. Yeah, um with with um <laughs> a lot of a lot of lack of enthusiasm. Yeah, that's that was the giveaway for me was that it spit it back out. And then I realized that's not a spaceship. That's a that's a living zippy zippy blimp uh sky sky octopus. <laughs> so after OJ and his sister Emerald and this random guy from like Circuit City Angel like kind of loosely team up, they develop under much cajoling by OJ, like, this is a real thing. It's really eating horses, and this is like our get-on-Oprah-like ticket if we can prove that this UFO is a, is a real UFO and get footage of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This would be an opportunity. I'm talking rich and famous for life. There's plenty of videos for flying shit online. Ain't nobody gonna get what we gonna get. What we gonna get? The money shot. What's up? Undeniable proof of aliens on camera. They need a, a moonshot to save the ranch. And they also don't want their horses to get keep getting eaten by whatever this fucking thing is. Yeah. And um, they would all, like, they all want that Oprah money, as, as they say in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And... 
so they team up and they put up, up a bunch of cameras and they they try to get footage of it, but they just they get some footage, but it you know it doesn't look like it doesn't look like Oprah footage. It looks it looks like you know um, Fox News at eleven p.m. footage. It's yeah. just like okay, that's 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 not the Sasquatch. That could be anything. And this this um, all of this about uh, getting a picture of it was really interesting to me because in any other movie um like the 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 flying uh blimpanzee whenever it <laughs> whenever it goes around it like knocks out all electrical stuff so it's hard to get a picture of it cuz everything's digital and in a normal if it was any other movie it would have some type of defense against missiles and guns and somebody would right. have to figure out, like, get a harpoon and shoot it at it. But they don't do that. Jordan Peele doesn't do that. He replaces that element with cameras and getting, yes. like, the picture of it, which I thought was great. And, like, more movies need to do that. <laughs> yes. And in order and in order to um, thread the needle and solve the analog camera department problem, they go and they find a character played by... One of uh, yeah. the sh- our show's favorite villainous actors, Michael Wincott, yeah. known primarily in the Oops Bunker for playing Top Dollar, yeah. the uh, in, in, incestuous gang overlord who runs the um, the 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 club and um, drug empire at the center of the uh, Top Dollar gang that kills Eric Draven's uh, uh, wife Shelley or fiance Shelley and um, just is awful. <laughs> the idea has become the institution, boys. Time to move along. You don't want us to do like my fire time for the whole city. No, I want you to set a fire so goddamn big the gods will notice us again. That's what I'm saying. I want all of you boys to be able to look me straight in the eye one more time and say, Are we having fun or what? Hey, you! Huh? What's your name? Huh? Stank! You don't feel that? I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. <laughs> I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. Well, boy, your mama must be damn proud of you. <laughs> Hell, that thing get in here. And Michael Wincott really delivers as being this um, bizarre, eccentric director of photography who just like sits there on his back porch watching bizarre footage of predators eating each other, (laughs) and only wears black and speaks in the 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 kind of like Jameson whiskey like guttural shovel dragging sounds of someone who seems to have been developing that intentionally as like a Tom Waits kind of impression <laughs> yeah. for maybe a hundred years. Yeah. Michael Wincott has this this really, really intense top shelf vocal naturally to him yeah. that is just it really augments his other skills where you're like god damn nobody sounds nobody sounds that harsh <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and and as far and i've i've seen him in things where he played not um you know an incestuous uh, crime boss yeah and i found it disconcerting <laughs> i was not i was you know 
it just doesn't it doesn't fly for me. I I feel that he's going to pull out like a die katana and slice me open at any moment, regardless yeah. <laughs> of how, whether he's playing you know like a whimsical gay gallery owner in Manhattan who is you know entertaining Jean Michel Basquiat. I'm like, no, you motherfucker, you got an Uzi under the table, you're going to kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just he's just too fucking nefarious in my mind. But he does a fabulous job um, sliding into the, this character of another convincing trope of the kind of morbid director of photography who has built his own crank 16 millimeter uh, camera device that he can hand crank like in olden times, like really, really olden times, so that no power source is necessary. He is the power source. So yeah. guaranteed, they will they will get that Oprah footage yeah. for uh, their fame and glory and the, the saving of their ranch. Um, what what would you say is the, the, the big next problem that they have? Um, TMZ shows up. <laughs> yeah, some fuckbag yeah. on an electric on an electric bike shows yeah. up. Yeah, to to kind of contrast, like I I don't care if there was a message there. Like the 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 exactly what was happening was great enough. Like a TMZ jackass shows up and f- fucks himself up, and then OJ tries to go and save him <laughs> because he's a good person. <laughs> yeah, I well. Whether there's a message there, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there is, know, but I don't think Jordan Peele is thinking that way. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I have this personal slogan about screenwriting that that films, and particularly scripts, are formulas that are disguised by texture. Yeah, and the textures being the actors, the costumes, the, the 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 photography, the lighting, everything that the art department does, the makeup, the sound of the actors' voices. You know, yeah. every everything. If you have a good script, that script functions as a formula. And in the case of um, Jordan Peele, we're talking about Ira Levin's style formulas yeah. that I previously described. And then what you do is try to make the textures both compelling and convincing enough that it all feels real. Because at the center of it, a la Rosemary's Baby, where she's going to give birth to the Antichrist, or or in Stepford Wives, where it turns out that uh, the lady lady be a robot underneath, that that very difficult-to-swallow thing... Is is um, coated in a spoonful of sugar in the way that it goes down without getting caught in your throat. Yeah, and to me, the eccentric, um, the eccentric DP that does one film for them, one film for him, but still wears a black scarf and and cranks <laughs> his own self-designed yeah. sixteen millimeter camera and runs uh, full on into the into the breach. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as as hard as he can with no fear of, of of death or consequences, and the shitty TMZ guy with a GoPro on his you know yeah. one thousand dollar helmet who rides in on an electric motorcycle and flips everybody off yeah. as he tries to steal the shot. Yeah, that those are those are 
those are elements of a formula wrapped in a sufficient texture that they also feel totally real. So that it does it, it doesn't it it doesn't catch in your throat. But sorry, go that ahead. That could have worked if you were doing like guns, because the TMZ guy would have been like a hotshot fighter jet pilot that you have been introduced to before that was like, I'll get him. Yeah. And then crashes yeah. in and like, no, we already said that you can't. <laughs> Definitely by the time that we introduced the TMZ guy, we have already had the scenes where at um at uh, Glenn's place, at the ranch, one place over. Yeah. Uh, things have gone horribly wrong yeah. over at uh, the Jupiter Ranch for Ricky Park. Yeah. And a whole bunch of the people that come to this, like, daily um, uh, dog and pony show... Yeah. Um, ...get sucked up along with the horse that they... That they apparently sacrifice on the reg, <laughs> and yeah. pulled pulled into the the blimpanzee monster, yeah. and you get to see them screaming and struggling as they are kind of being um, swallowed fi- in a giant esophagus. Being, be, yeah, their <laughs> DBs are being sweenied <laughs> down into the bowels of whatever this thing is. I've been a little figure skating. Um, they're kicking and a fussing and a fighting. If anything, I wanted more. From the cutaway into the consumption of these random like popcorn chompers, I was yeah. like, "What the? F- I need, I need, even if it was like ten more seconds, I didn't need like, you know, I didn't need a soliloquy. Yeah. I, I, but I was like, "What the fuck is going on there? Is it wet? Are there, are they, like, are they being, <laughs> are they being smooshed? It, it like, was, if it's, if it's not, what is going it on? It was phenomenal. Like that scene pulled together a lot of." Um, what would I was I was paying attention to the chimp story like a lot, maybe more than I should have been. But like in that scene, he points out his co-star. He says, "My first crush, um, this person," and it was like uh, the little girl opposite him on the show, who was also yeah. attacked by the chimp, and like she's wearing a veil. That yeah, you can't see her yeah, face. Yeah, but it kind whenever specific. the. Uh, Blimpanzee comes, like, it blows the veil up, and you can see, like, oh, that poor woman suffered a chimp attack. And, like, all of that, I thought, was like, well, that's, damn it, that's closure on the chimp story, and these people are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And and, and I think, uh, you know, we may have gotten one fact, you know, factoid wrong here or there about the lining up of the two stories. I don't know. But I'm going to say that you're at least 85, 90% right about, I, I think that the the formula being um, coded in texture is really shown in the, the, the juxtaposition between um, the chimp killing everybody on the sitcom yeah. as his origin story. And then you get flashbacks that they come in in order to illustrate and augment elements that are related to OJ's discovery of the of the the beast, the blimpanzee. Yeah. And I think that you're totally right that you when you ran out of um, when you ran out of rope on one, it also signified that you're running out of rope on the other. That the these beats are playing out in a way that are um, echoing each yeah. other. And that I that you observed that in a way that I was totally I didn't 
you know, I was I was so caught up going like, what the fucking shit is going on? <laughs> it's one of the reasons I I really like um, films that are effectively done in this style. Yeah. Because when they're effectively done, you are so disoriented until until like the end of Act Two, beginning of Act Three. You were you were if you if it's done right, yeah. You were you were just l- l- staggering around a dark mansion, going like, is it a fucking ghost? Is it a fucking alien? <laughs> yeah. Or is it just white people? I don't yeah. know. Would somebody tell me? Yeah. <laughs> I need to know right now. Stop fucking with me and tell me what it yeah, is. They- and. <laughs> And this movie is absolutely 110%. It is. Um, Jordan does another thing, too, where after everything's explained and everything has been, like, you know, caught up to, you know, uh, the storyline has an explanation now. I already said explained, yeah. And, like, everything, uh, you know all you need to know. He does it perfectly at the right moment and in the right way to jump back into the awesomeness and the blimp opens up and becomes this jellyfish monster that, like, uh-huh. starts doing this dance that's supposed to be, like, threatening that it's, like, its defense mechanism because it sees that it's being, like, surrounded by things and things are after it. And so it, it might only have, like, the intelligence of, like, a sand dollar, which is what it's shaped after, and, like... Yeah. Um, if it if it only has the intelligence of like a sand dollar, then it's going to do like a defensive move if it realized a bunch of people are trying to get at it, and so <laughs> yeah, it does this big beautiful thing that that they do pretty well, and you're and right whenever you ran out of like a uh, story to understand, we're back to the awesomeness, and it and it holds your attention until the end of it, and I thought that was great. And this and this monster is um so it kind of. It it really does kind of look like a like a sand dollar with a with a very you know maybe a a quarter mile wide sand dollar, yeah. but with a but with a a big fucking hole underneath which it with which it just sucks up whatever yeah. and um, apparently horses are good food for yeah. it. But then when it when it does this little shimmy shimmy ya ah, shimmy ya ah, shimmy a ah, dance, it do, it does it like it kind of disgorges. This colossal membrane that kind of looks like like parachute silk yeah. that go that goes out in this massive kind of like um, uh, kind of um, veiny, almost like vascular, but really underwater sea anemone kind of uh, folded, yeah. kind of floating kite display. Yeah. That is that is very unreal. It does it does kind of have qualities of a of a jellyfish or, um, you know, like a translucent uh, octopod of some kind, and it is just really riding the air. And it is now you know probably a hundred times in terms of volume what it was, even though it seems to be kind of this like just loose gossamer yeah. kind of robe of business where you're like, the fuck is going on with yeah. that? Um, it also like it made sense to me because whenever it was the disc, it it seems like that whenever it's uh, in that mode that it's all bundled up and everything's like folded on top of each other, and that if those layers were to unfold to like show that it's bigger as like a defense mechanism, that's exactly what it would look like, and that was really well done by like the visual arts department. It's a really fascinating way to do a monster because. 
Yeah, I think that if I think that if you're Jordan Peele, that you're really sweating the design of this monster and whether it has enough gravity at the end of the film to sell you on everything that's it's that's led up to that yeah. point. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because I was watching this thing going like, "Wow, what a ch- choice!" Yeah. That yeah. It, that it's just you know it you know what it reminds me of now that I think about it is like the extended version of um, fucking the abyss. Yeah. Uh, with when and if you're not familiar, the abyss is a uh, was a action underwater action sci-fi by James Cameron from like nineteen. Uh, it was after Terminator, right? So ninety two or Ooh. something. But the point, be, the point being that in the in the extended version, which is like a fucking hour. Oh my, eighty nine. It turns the yeah, okay. The the mo- the quote unquote monsters are actually well, they're not um, aliens, but they're kind of like alien in the sense that they're not people, yeah. but they're actually from under, un, way under yeah. the water. But they give us the they give, they give us as the audience alien vibes, but they come up in these bizarre ships, and it really gave me kind of like. Uh, extended cut um, abyss vibes where they were really trying to sell you like, okay, this is a thing that could plausibly exist in our world or that has a biology that you don't get but is similar to a, the biology that, you know, somebody with a PhD in in those related sciences <laughs> yeah. would. That it's, it's, it's something you've seen in a YouTube video where you're yeah. like, Okay, that's that reminds me of some weird shit in the ocean. Yeah. You know, like that's a that's a something um, and but it does it exists in this odd. Um, I'm not gonna say liminal space because I just I hate I hate the way that arts degrees kind of like back you into saying these dumb dumb cliches like <laughs> liminal space. But it does exist in this odd uncanny valley between that's fucking dumb and whoa that's real. Yeah. <laughs> you know yes. there where it's you're just kind of like in it's spectacular. Yeah. There you go. But it it's spectacular, but also riding the edge of plausibility in a way that must have felt like an odd game of chicken with an invisible opponent for Jordan Peele, yeah. at least if I try to put myself in his, in his mindset. But I think it does play. And then after this thing turns into its big piece of business, uh, if you can remind me, you know, how, what, what do they do? Cause I, it, uh, it's, it, they, they, they're getting, they get photos yeah, of it. There's with, a, oh, there's a to, setup in Jupiter's ranch where you can look down a well and take a picture with mm-hmm. like a really old picture, a really old camera by cranking the, um, pulley, the pulley on the well that pulls like the, the bucket. That would be like the action of the well if it was actually. Yeah. Like well. You crank yeah. that and it takes a picture of you looking down the well. And so the monsters yeah. over top of that. And Emerald is at the well, and she goes, "Oh, I'm going to take a picture with this damn thing," and cranks the 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 uh, well wheel and gets like seven or eight pictures of it, thereby like accomplishing their goal of getting like the Oprah shot. And then um, Jordan says, "Fuck it, total victory!" And the monster accidentally swallows a blimp. Uh, that is in the shape of Jupiter, like it's a cartoon Jupiter character. Um, right, he swallowed yeah, yeah. the the monster swallows that, which eventually explodes and destroys the monster. <laughs> yeah, Emerald gets all like the cool 
gets most of the cool like hero play like OJ gets to run around on the horse yeah. and save everybody with the bizarre trick that they've set up and she gets to do the Akira slide on the D, the yeah. um, the uh, the like the shitty TMZ guys electrical bike yeah. over to the area where she gets to do the cranking of the the well photos and and the I forget what mechanism actually like kills it because it it dies yeah it? it swallows uh, Jupiter's blimp. The the monster becomes it becomes unlikely enough that it feels appropriately unli- unlikely for the ninety minutes of film that preceded getting up to that point. Yeah, the cartoon blimp is stuck in its uh, in its like feathering, and then whenever it goes back into sand dollar mode, it sucks uh, Jupiter's blimp up into him. And the blimp pops, and it looks like the helium mixing with the gas that the monster uses to fly doesn't mix. And so it explodes. <laughs> but not before not before it totally eats the shit out of Michael Wincott as he's Yeah, it does eat the shit out of Michael Wincott. And I was questioning that decision, but I kind of realized that Michael Wincott is already on his back porch every day watching like predators eat each other. And not like planning for the future or anything. So, <laughs> I would have really been shocked if um, his character had survived yeah. the film. Yeah. I just really, I, it just didn't didn't feel like if he looked like an ace of spades as soon as he came on yeah. screen, and the fact that he was played as an ace of spades um, when he finally you know was put down on the table completely comported with what I was expecting, yeah. um, and it, it was it's delightful. It made, the, the character feels real, even though these these you know the, the spoonful of sugar really turns these characters from tropes into tangible personalities that feel like they they take up space in a world in which we all inhabit. Um, Well, what the, what, what else factually do we need to say about this, this nope monster? It is a, it is, it is a biological entity. It is not a U. It is not a well. In a way it's a UFO, but it's not a UFO in the sense that it's a craft filled (laughs) with like guys. It is its own thing. We don't know what its origin is. The movie doesn't explore that other than in, like, passing conversation. You know, like, maybe it is an yeah. alien. Uh, but, like, maybe. Maybe, yeah. You know, um, uh, but, like, it does. It's that's not even defined, you know. Maybe it's from fucking under the water. Maybe it's to fucking, maybe it's traveling through time. Yeah. We don't fucking know. Um, and it, but it does hide in a cloud that it seems to generate either by illusion or by its gaseous mechanism. Yeah, yeah right? it does. Um, in order, in order to hide itself, there's a um, there's a shot of it uh, with the uh, whenever it swallows the fake horse and like the banners floating out of it. Um, there's a shot of it that generates the cloud. And with the banner sticking out of the cloud, it looks comical. And I think I think he did that yeah, on purpose. Right. Like uh, it's just a fake For cloud. Sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it certainly does seem to be organic yes. and have organs and tissues. Yeah, uh, it it consumes people and horses effectively, but not inorganic material. Yeah. Um, not a fan of fiberglass or steel or um, metal American uh, monies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that it can be killed just by essentially ugly mechanical injury. Yeah. 
and, and there we have no. I, I'll put I'll, I'll, here. I'll put a pin on this important point. We have no reason to ascribe any metaphysical origin or um, element to this thing. It appears yeah. to be a physical science fiction yeah. um, entity, right? That that is material in origin and function. It's not uh it's it's not raising the dead. It's not from hell. Yeah. It's it, it, the pope the pope didn't bring it down to to save Catholicism. It seems to be <laughs> in the science fiction department yeah. of suspense it's and horror. It's a jellyfish if a jellyfish is, was in the dry sky. Yeah, it's a weird sci-fi thing Which would that be is a peanut butter fish. <laughs> it is a beast of some it is a peanut butter fish. It is a yeah. beast of some kind. It's origin unknown. Yes. So it's not magic. It's not psychic. Yeah. It's not. Um, it's, it's not, not a not ship doing, with it's not, little things on it. Eating horses is a good way to scare an audience. I'll say that. Yes. You know what? Like, I if something just if something just eats a horse whole. Yeah. And you're like, that definitely happened. That's a scary piece of business in any movie. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Uh, oh, Fry's Electronics. That's the name of it. It really was. It really was Fry's Electronics. They, <laughs> they did that. That place in the movie, it's Fry's, and in real life, that's a Fry's. I just wanted to get in there so I didn't get some fucking Burbank people like, <laughs> jumping up my asshole, being like, "It's the Fry's with the UFO. It's the UFO Fry's." I'm like, "I know it's the UFO Fry's. Just get off my butt." I almost can't think of something I dislike about how this movie was done. Yeah. Now that I now that I'm articulating it, I, I, <laughs> and, and all of one of the reasons I want to say that is because, in another movie, this monster would be the most unsatisfying monster I've ever seen. <laughs> that like yeah. the 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 movie that's built around it creates a level of anticipation and awe and commitment to figuring out WTF is going on. Yeah. That with that without it, it this would be very much a like the fuck is that dumbass yeah. thing. And then <laughs> it does it does what kind of what Predator did, which was once you figured it out, um instead of like being happy that you figured it out or explaining it more or any misstep in that you figure out what to do immediately because it's an immediate threat and that yeah and that it, pacing it, yeah, yeah, was yeah, done and, well and the um the the fact that OJ's um lack of skills yeah. in being a speaker but his High level of skills in being a doer. Yeah. In you know, in Dungeons and Dragons parlance, he has a high animal handling proficiency. <laughs> allows him to inf- insightfully deduce a hypothesis about what they need to do. Yeah. And that this thing is a beast, not a uh, not a um, a nightmare from beyond the stars. Yeah. And that it also pays him off as a character in a way that is. Um, satisfying and surprising because they're really dragging him through this whole film as a character. He's, and I think in these Ira Levin style stories as well as as much as any others, you really should take your main character, grab him by the ankle and drag him around in the dirt as much as possible. (laughs) Um, And they really do that where he is constantly 
um, insufficient for the task at hand for for most of the movie just by not by his disposition that he's just not a wheeler and a dealer. He's someone from he's a character that is more appropriate for the maybe the 19th century where he's he's he he's very low on words, high on um, observing the world around him. And it was really satisfying to see. Um, a, a horror scenario where that played out so intelligently and almost, almost to a certain extent, like, you know, this movie, one of the ways that I observed that this movie was great was you, I think that you could play this and take out every line in this movie, except for maybe like 10 of them. Yeah. And it would still be fucking phenomenal. Yeah. As long as you, as long as they were like, it's not if you know if they said it's not a it's not an alien it's an animal, we got to go get somebody that can yeah. take photos <laughs> yeah. of it and then the, and you know like you could have nine more lines and the movie would totally make sense it's and and um, his movies do that job of um, as Alfred Hitchcock used to say write the movie and then after that put all the put all the words in as was it's almost perfectly what Alfred Hitchcock said is line word for word is and then put all the words in yeah. which is you need a certain amount of words to make the visual of the film function for the audience in terms of plot but if you're making a really really efficient movie those words can be as few as possible <laughs> And this movie was a good example of that, and I, you know, I, uh, I'll stop, um, I'll stop uh, uh, bending over backwards about it. But it's just so. It's good. a really good movie, and it made me like things again. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, there's an endorsement. So good, it made Gavin like things again. <laughs> well, sometimes I so, get stuck in like trying out watching things that I haven't seen. It's just shit after shit after shit. And then Nope was like, all right, I'll watch Nope. I, it's probably good, but I'm not expecting much. Holy shit. And <laughs> all right, I'll keep watching yeah. movies then. <laughs> yeah, it's so good they stuck, they, it's so good they snuck Top Dollar in there. Yeah. Eaten by yeah. a giant sand dollar. <laughs> Didn't have that on my 2022 bingo card, yeah. I'll tell you what. Could you shut up? Um, let me ask you, Gavin, is. <laughs> Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it, bitchin' van art? Is the, um, bizarre biological entity that we have been referring to as the blimpanzee from <laughs> Jordan Peele's Nope, is it bitchin' van art? Well, nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, great movie. Yeah, great Dumb looking movie. monster. Um, the, the thing about suspense mystery, though, is that it, it, suspense mystery is not bitching. Yeah, it's about as sexy as a sea cucumber. Yeah, I, it is, it is. It looks really cool, and it would be bitching if it was, like, a monster that everybody knew as a monster. It's like, oh, look at the, look at the blimpanzee flashing its, uh, multicolored kite tail. Then, like... Yeah, that'd be bitchin', but the the secret the secret of the blimpanzee is that it does that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's an it's an entity. It's a it's a phenomenon. It's a biological anomaly. Yeah, maybe it's extraterrestrial, but the film's business is not centered on answering that question. Yeah, and 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 it just looks it looks it looks like. 
a piece of artificially intelligently. It's a piece of a. It's like if you asked an AI to generate, you know, the backdrop for a new Enya album or something. <laughs> it looks like. You know, it looks like some set dressing from the never ending story three. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like you could put a, like a two mile long piece of soap down on it and put it on your grandmother's, you know, 10 mile long bathtub. And it would be like, Oh, look how lovely. Yeah. Uh, And it, 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 it is, it is visually without scale, completely nonsensical of an object. Yeah. Like anything that you would find on the beaches of New Zealand, you'd be like, should that be there? I don't know. (laughs) Don't know what the fuck that is. Not going to step on it. Not going to try to eat it. Like, I hope it doesn't reach over and kill me. That's like the level of, you know, even if you even noticed something was there, you wouldn't have any significant thought about it other than like, don't come over here and kill me, you weird object. (laughs) (laughs) So, no. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. No, no way in hell is it bitchin' van art. Not bitchin' van art, which is fine. I'm trying to think of another example of a story or a film where it's a really good suspense or horror movie. Yeah. Where the, the baddie or the monster at the center of it is just kind of like, huh, you know, I you know yeah. what I like. You like, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is like um, Jason Voorhees's mom. Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> you know, Friday the Thirteenth one, but she does end up in a way being scary. But she's not bitching Van. Yeah. She's like, um, yeah. she's a middle aged. She's a middle aged woman with a knife. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and, and but even that is, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not in the same zone. You know. It's um, it's kind of because in the in the Ira Levin school of filmmaking, you're kind of the thing at the center is more of a concept than yeah. a than a, than an example. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they don't really show like the baby that they show in Rosemary's Baby is just a fucking baby. You know, it doesn't have a, a tail with a, a forked trident at the end or something. It doesn't have red skin and hooves. Yeah, you know, it's just a fucking baby. Uh, you know, and th- th- in the Stepford Wives, they do pull the faces off of these robot, these robot wives yeah. in order to um, to sell you the plot of the film. But still, in a way, what it is is a, it's a concept. And without ruining it, I will also say that that's a kind of also true of Get Out, where without understanding that what you're looking at is what you're looking at. Yeah. It's kind of not there in a similar way as this film. Wait, did and Rosemary's baby end with her just gasping at the appearance or what they do a POV from the baby's perspective yeah. where all of the like um, devil worshipers are coming around to the crib and, and being like just effusive older people around a baby. Yeah. And it takes on this tone over the course of this very long I, and in my in my recollection scene and then finally it's will she or will you know she, basically the transformation at the end is she um she picks up the baby and is like happy with the baby and that's it like she's like 
cradling the baby mm. and going to going to take care of it and that's like end of film where she's been you know she's been hardcore in the other direction this through this you know the the whole business once um her husband is being suspicious and the friend dies and the necklace yeah. finally you know the, and that's really the scary thing is the character that you know has been trying to escape this reality and is the only person that has good motives and is sure of the truth of it has now been flipped to the dark side, which makes it um, just so much uh, edgier of a plot. Yeah. I guess, I guess because everybody was Christian as fuck, it's kind of like an uh, an anti-Mary thing there, right? Yeah. I guess that's really what's going on is, is like an anti-mother of God kind of thing that <laughs> at me as a 16-year-old would not have picked up on because I was listening to um, Nine Inch Nails and trying not to inhale my girlfriend's like clove smoke. <laughs> I was not, not thinking about how everything was from a Christian perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. <laughs> And nope. And nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and nope. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh eating dessert nopes. <laughs> and if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or the maximum amount of appreciation review on whatever you heard us on, um, that really does help. Thank you very much. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling uh, really into supporting us, maybe consider sliding over to patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters and um, uh, allowing us to make some additional content for a, uh, a regular support level. Uh, lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And we have been, oops, all uh, fiberglass horsies. All, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. 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 The damn good movie. Quick impression for you. Ka ka bang fuck I'm dead. (laughs) That's the quote. That's the quote the back of my mind's been looking for all episode. Yes. Ka bang fuck I'm dead. (laughs) I will laugh at that every single time. It's funny. Oh, man, Man, that's good. That guy's fucking hilarious. All right, stop. (laughs) 